Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Box Interview Chiefs Offensive Coordinator Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City on Wednesday. Jason Light was there, of course, in person. Is he the top head coaching candidate for the Bucks? And on Friday, they're going to meet with Vikings Defensive Coordinator George Edwards. And a new name, one that you know very well, has emerged from college football. We'll break down what that is all about. And Matt Baker, our college football writer of the Tampa Bay Times, is going to join us to look back at the Peach Bowl, look at Miami's coaching situation, the UCF game, and what their loss to LSU means for the expanded playoffs and preview the national championship game on Monday between Clemson and Alabama. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, you know what? If you're like me and you're sick and tired of paying these insane electric bills, my electric bill was over $300 last month. That's crazy. Well, if you want to save 90 to 95% off on your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar energy, and it doesn't use high voltage like many of the other companies do. And May Electric Solar gives you a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor, and they only use their own employees, no subcontractors ever. May Electric Solar has a full showroom. You can see their products, and they are open weekdays. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving 90 to 95% right now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. If you call them uh, right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, so Steve, uh, Eric Bieniemy, who we've talked about the uh, last couple of days, he's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they have a game coming up on January 12th, the AFC Divisional Playoff game. So there's a little window here for uh, guys like the enemy to go ahead and interview for head coaching jobs. And he is doing that. He's had interest from about four or five teams. He has told the Cardinals he's not interested in talking with them. Uh, but he did begin interviews, uh, of course, on Wednesday with uh, the Bucks and the Jets. And then he's likely to interview with the Dolphins today, according to multiple reports. I find this guy, and I don't think this is insignificant, that the Bucks are starting with Eric Bieniemy. Look, very often... Uh, the guy who's most in demand is the one that uh, you want to talk to anyway. Um, and I recognize that he has sort of a pressing window with this playoff game coming up, so there's not a lot of time to wait on him. Uh, but he's an interesting guy in that we've talked about how he's part of this coaching tree under Andy Reid. Um, you know, you've had guys like Mac Nagy, Matt Nagy with the Bears and, of course, Doug Peterson who won a Super Bowl with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles that worked uh, in a similar capacity under – you know, under uh, Andy Reid. So the the difference here is, though, Steve, is that unlike those guys who did call plays for the for the Chiefs, the enemy has not. In fact, the only play calling experience he has is back at the University of Colorado, and that's not really saying much. So he's a guy who's involved in the collaboration of the offense. But this is Andy Reid's offense, and so when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, you're talking about the fifty something, you know, whatever it was, touchdown passes and an MVP candidate and the kind of year they had. How much credit can you really give the enemy? But I think I think he checks a lot of boxes for the Bucks, and clearly, 
Um, they wanted to be first in line uh, or among the first in line along with the Dolphins. Um, or Yeah, is it the Dolphins or the Jets? The Jets, I believe, right? What did I say? The Jets, along with the Jets, to interview uh, Eric Bieniemy, and they did so on Wednesday. Well, I think you wanted to get him first before several reasons. One, he meets with the Jets, and the Jets decide, we're signing you right now. Right. And you've missed out on an opportunity to evaluate him or see. But the curious sure. part is, with him, without him calling plays, and not that your head coach has to call plays. No. But you probably, if you're an offensive coordinator, want someone who has done that in the past. Or I'd be really interested in who his offensive coordinator may be. Who's he going to bring? Yeah. yeah. Who's he going to bring with him? That would be an even more valuable question for someone like Eric Bieniemy. If I'm the, if I'm Jason Light or the Glazers, I think I think you're spot on. I think the coaching staff is one that you that is as important as a head coach. People don't realize this, but a lot of times one of the reasons that makes a head coach attractive is you say to him, "Okay, who can you bring with you? Who are you? Who are your? Who's your offensive coordinator? Who's your defensive coordinator? Who is on your side? Who's going to go with you?" wherever you go and the good news about the enemy in that situation is that he's got 18 years of coaching in the league behind him I mean this guy's not he's not 30 he's 49 years old so he has been in the game for a while he's formed a lot of relationships um, was a running back for nine years in the NFL so he 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 knows the National Football League now the the the, the marks that you would check against him is never been a head coach at any level and I'm here to tell you um, not that he couldn't do it and certainly you have guys like Nagy and and others that are knocking it out of the park this year. So it's not required. You know, you, you have a lot of guys that in their first years, um, whether it's Sean McVay, they can do very, very well. So I don't get too hung up on that. But it is an adjustment um, with the media, with having to deal with the whole team instead of just your your guys. There's a really good story in Yahoo Sports about the enemy and talking about <laughs> apparently <laughs> – Apparently, we'll have to wear earmuffs on the practice field because he is known to get a little loud and, and has a colorful way of getting guys to work hard. Um, uh, a lot of four-letter words, none that we, we want to say on this podcast. We probably could, but we don't want to. He can be very prickly. He doesn't suffer fools, according to this story, um, and is somebody that, uh, that is heard from all over the practice field. So, Maybe a little chewing your your uh, hindquarters wouldn't be a bad thing for this football team, you know. That might. No, be is that in the that, mold of Greg Schiano? I don't or know a that it's different. Quite, it's. I think it's more done with love. You know, not that that Greg didn't love his players, but it wasn't so. It's not so much toes on the line, blowing the whistle. It's more about hey, get your blankety blank over here and do it this blankety blank way or else. From what I understand, he's a he's a real detailed guy and he he's a very driven coach. And you know, try and gets the best out of his players. And look, he's coached running backs his whole career. You look at this running back group that they have over at One Buck Place; they could use some coaching right about now. Could he actually uh, suit up and run the ball? <laughs> he may have to, because I don't know. I mean, he's you know, I mean, I kind of like. I don't know. I want to get into the running backs, but obviously they got a guy in Ronald Jones that needs needs something, right? So maybe Bienemy can help get him going, if nothing else. Peyton Barber, I think, is a is a serviceable. Runner, I don't know that he's great, but you know the point is the Bucks have not run the ball worth a damn, and you know that if the enemy's coming in, he's been involved in coordinating the run game with Kansas City, so from a collaborative effort, so it might actually help that side of the ball or that particular position. But um, you know, all those questions you mentioned are unanswered. I don't know who his offensive coordinator would be. I don't know if he would just suddenly start calling plays. Certainly, he has an offense that Andy Reid runs, that the Eagles run, 
that the Chicago Bears are running that is really the top offenses in the NFL. I mean, they are, you know, a lot of a lot of motion everywhere, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of play action, a lot of this and that, and and they'd have to adopt it to you know what Jameis Winston does really really well. Um, but you know, I I've always said this that very often teams will tip their hand by who they talk to first, and and a lot of times that's driven by you know in this case playoffs and whatnot. Um, but then other times it's not. And I think you make a good point that, you know, before he talks to the Jets and they go, well, we found our head coach and they sign him right away, do you want to at least have a seat at the table? And I think I think Biennemi has chosen his teams that he does want to talk to, and then we'll go from there. And it may be till the end of the playoffs before, the, you know, the Bucks make a decision. And, and certainly after, uh, after this week, he's going to be tied up with the playoffs until Kansas City is the bounce, which could be the Super Bowl. Look, Kansas City – has home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I mean, New England will have to go there. And so you're looking at a situation where that team could make it to the Super Bowl. So you could have to wait a very long time, which won't help you when you form staffs. I mean, this is a problem with teams that hire coordinators sometimes um, that are going to the Super Bowl is that it's musical chairs. And if I'm an assistant coach and this staff over here, and there's eight of them that are forming this year, wants me, it's bird in hand, wants me to go here, or do I do I wait until Eric Bieniemy is done playing? Now, what they've done in the past, well, they haven't announced it, um, but there's been situations where coaches, you know, it was sort of known that yeah, when this when this game is over or wherever, whenever this end runs or this run ends, we're we're going to have our head coach, and he just happens to be on the staff of you know the Seattle Seahawks. Like Dan Quinn did this, where he was in the Super Bowl for the Seahawks, but everybody knew he was committed to Atlanta and Atlanta to him, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, they didn't formally announce it until the day after the Super Bowl, but everybody understood it. So you could do something like that, um, but I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously there's other guys I want to talk to. Haven't heard any more, um, to be honest with you, uh, about guys like Bruce Arians or, or anybody like that. But as we record this here, um, this podcast at, uh, what is it, 2 o'clock or so on uh, Wednesday, um, this is a fluid situation, so a lot can change, obviously, with the enemy, with the Bucks, with – other coaches that may come in or out of the mix, including a weird report we'll get into later with Matt Baker um, that the search firm, at least, it appears, and the Bucks are using a search firm, reached out to Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly, which uh, I am told that the Bucks are not interested in interviewing right now or maybe ever, um, but somehow his name got linked um, to the Bucks through this firm that is apparently doing their due diligence on a lot of coaches. So um, that was a report out of Chicago we'll get to here in just a minute. But my information is that he is not somebody that they want to talk to. Um, so, yeah, lots lots going on uh, with that. Why do you think they wouldn't want to talk to him? Look, Brian Kelly has done some some really good things uh, in college football, and he has looked at some, some uh, I think he looked at the Eagles a few years ago in 2012, I mm-hmm. believe. He interviewed with them. So he's shown a desire to maybe want to go to the NFL, and I think he probably will. There's some personal things. I don't, I don't want to say it's bad or anything, but I think there's some stuff out there that would turn them off. And, just uh, and, and you know, I, I sense that they really want it to, to have a good marriage, and I don't know whether this would be good or bad for Jameis Winston, but I think it's really important for them to have somebody that can relate to Jameis. And, you know, their last coach, and if I'm, again, look, I'm just spitballing here. I don't know anything, okay? I just cover the team. But I follow the bouncing ball sometimes. You just had a coach who's going to turn 60 
next month, right? In Dirk Cutter, older, older coach, head coach to get his first head coaching job at 57. Um, and when I say older gentlemen, I'm not talking about us because, you know, we're all young at heart, right? And I'm not 60 yet, but I understand where people might be offended by that. But, but you know, I mean, Biennemi's 49. That's, that's not a spring chicken either. But it wouldn't surprise me if they got a younger coach. Maybe not young, but a younger So maybe coach. not Sean McVay young, but younger. Yeah, maybe not 32, but maybe 32. But maybe maybe somewhere in the 40s or thereabouts. Um, not, not closer to 60, closer to 50 perhaps. I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, look, you just want to hire the best coach and, and, but, but it's, we'd be naive to think that they aren't thinking every, every look, the first question you ask, or one of the first questions you would ask any candidate is what would you do? What do you think of Jameis Winston? What do you know about him? And what would you, what would you do? How would you get this guy to going? How, how, what do you, what would be your plan for him? Who's your quarterback coach? Who's your offensive coordinator? What offense are we going to run? What do you know about him? What do you know about his skill set? Um, all those things would be paramount before I would hire anybody. Um, and then I'd have to have a pretty good understanding that or feeling that he could relate to Jameis because, because I know Jameis and I'm just meeting this guy. And so I should have a pretty good idea of playing matchmaker. John Romano wrote a column about that, how you really have to sort of match. Now, Winston is here for only one year that that he's under contract. You can always franchise him or whatnot, but this is, he'll be playing under his fifth year option. So it could be a situation where you move on after one year. So if you're hiring a coach just for Jameis, then you might have to hire another one after a year. But I think that uh, I think that trying to find a way to stimulate him uh, and get him going in a system or with a group of coaches is going to be something that uh, you'll have to convince the Glazers, I would think, and Jason Light in particular, that you can bring that to the table. So George Edwards, the Vikings coordinator, were interviewed on Friday. We'll have more, of course, on the Bucks coaching situa- situation throughout the week. You can always keep track of that on TampaBay.com. Matt Baker joins us now. And, Matt, we haven't had a chance to talk to you, of course, since the Peach Bowl where Florida pretty much buried Michigan, if you want to know the truth. I know Michigan <laughs> yep. was missing some players, uh, some of which uh, did not want to play because of uh, their you know, going into the NFL draft and whatnot. But that was an impressive showing by Florida, and um, look, Michigan just—I don't know—it was they didn't look interested. I mean, what'd you make of just that whole game? What I made of it again, I, I viewed it through the context uh, in the lens of the way these last two games have gone. You know, the way they went under McElwain, where Florida got their tails kicked both times. So I was looking to see what was different here, and, mm-hmm. and I came away—you know—there's a bunch of changes. I, three of them really jumped out to me. One was the Gators really controlled line of scrimmage. You know, the, the, the mm-hmm. Citrus Bowl 41-7 a couple of years ago, that was about as bad a performance on Florida's lines, both in offensive and defensive, as I've ever seen. Michigan was just that much better. And on Saturday, it was different. You know, the, the Gators rushed for, them, I think it was 257 yards, which is the most Michigan had allowed in like three years. So, so Florida won that battle. The, the second one was quarterback play. Um, yeah. you know, go, again, going back to the Citrus Bowl, um, the only touchdown that Florida scored was a pass from a receiver to a quarterback, and they didn't have a, an offensive touchdown of any sort in the the meeting in Jerry's World a couple of years ago. And this time, you know, Felipe Franks wasn't great, but he was efficient. He was good enough. You know, he threw the ball decently. He missed some stuff, but he was decent, and he ran the ball. That was one of maybe or maybe his best rushing performance of his career, and had, you know, had called his own number on the quarterback draw for a score. So they. <laughs> to think that as bad as things had been there at that position, Felipe Franks would, you know, 
a year later would be the MVP or the offensive player of a New Year's Six Bowl was, was kind of stunning. And then the third thing that really jumped out to me is, is coaching. Uh, it, and sometimes it's just that simple. But Mullen and his staff knew the right things to call at the right times, be it a cornerback blitz where Amari Bernie from Calvary Christian had a big sack. Or, you know, um, there, there was the uh, Jordan Scarlett touchdown run where they overload to the left and then pitch it out to Scarlett to the right. Um, there's a bunch of things that they did that made me in the press box think, whoa, that kind of caught me and everybody else off guard. And that's coaching. And that was something that was clearly lacking in the first two Michigan meetings or the previous two, I should say. So to me, those were the three big things that showed that things were different against Michigan and things might be different for this Gator program going forward than they have been in the past. Yeah, there's no question that that, that was a bigger game uh, for their program and and, um, and they seem to have it going the right direction. I'll say this about Franks. There's there's more to get out of that guy athletically because he is, he is this, he's a big athlete and he can run, he can move. Um, but it's also, he has sort of a, I don't know, he plays with a little bit of chip on his shoulder that I kind of like. I mean, I don't know, it <laughs> seems like he's a guy everybody wants to replace, but he won't let them. I think that's accurate, and I'm laughing because I'm thinking about the way he was in the South Carolina game where he did the shh thing yeah. to his own fans. His own fans. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that before, and you know, I asked him <laughs> on the field after the game just how much of a kind of validation was it, and, and he kind of cracked a smile. He gave a, a pretty canned answer, but you could tell the way he was smiling. Like This was a pretty big... Uh, screw you to the people who doubted him. And again, I'm not, he's not the greatest. He's not God's gift to quarterbacks. You know, he, he no. had a good game, not a great game. I think he was like 13 or 23 or something. Um, he, he hit some really good passes. You know, there, he had one where he got absolutely clobbered and still made a 28 yard pass to Siante Lewis. And that's a throw he doesn't make last year. He might not have made that throw earlier this year too. So there's no question he was better. Um, I, there's still to me, no guarantee he's going to be the starter when they play uh, Miami and Orlando to open the season. But he, there's no question he has come a long, long way and is doing better than, than uh, you know, it's, it looked like he would in, in the first Michigan game. Since you mentioned Miami right there, let's take this little occasion to, to mention their coaching situation while we were away. As they say, Mark Rick retires from football, which is not such great timing since the signing day had just come and left and they didn't do very well. Uh, and then even more surprising is that Manny Tiaz, who uh, basically took the flight from Miami to Temple and then took it back to, to Miami again. Um, what do you make of that whole situation and, and, and Diaz um, kind of <coughs> leaving Temple high and dry? Yeah, so I, I was traveling on Sunday, flying back from Atlanta to the in-laws in Dallas before road tripping back home. I, I checked my I checked my the you know my my phone when I land. And I see the Mark Rick news, and I'm like, holy cow, that is not something I expected when I boarded this airplane. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, so to me, what it said, uh, I don't know what Rick's long-term future was going to be uh, at Miami. I don't know what the ceiling was. Um, right. I, there's no question in my mind he left the Canes a better place than he found it. Now, they hadn't won a bowl game in a decade, and he did that. It's been a long time. I think it was 14 years since they had been to a— a big-time top-tier bowl, and he did that. They never played for an ACC championship, and they did that. Um, that that new um, indoor practice facility football complex thing, that doesn't get built without Mark Richt. So he did a lot of good things, but it was clear at times this season, and it was clear especially during the uh, the bowl game against Wisconsin that 
it, it wasn't working. And there were going to have to be some big changes. And one of those big changes was probably going to have to be a shakeup of his staff, including his quarterback's coach, who happens to be his son. So I think he kind of said, you know what, enough's enough. Uh, let's, I've left this program better than I found it. Let's mosey on. Um, the, the winner of the, the, the coaching search thing, by the way, is my friends on the Miami Hurricanes beat down there because they had to cover a coaching search that was like 12 hours. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. Those are the best. They're, those are the, <laughs> they're the real winners here, and I'm, I'm happy for my friends that they got to enjoy uh, New Year's. Um, but yeah. M- Manny Diaz was a name – you know, he, he in any normal circumstance, he would have been kind of the no-brainer guy on staff um, to be like a coach and waiting sort of thing. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if he would do it just because, as you mentioned, he had just been hired by Temple. I think he was with the Owls for a whopping historic 18-day run where he left undefeated, <laughs> mind you. Um, it was a good era, but, for sure. Oh, it was it was it was wonderful. Um, the thing though, he he did kind of leave him high and dry in, in some ways. But Miami was a dream job for him. I mean, he's yeah. from Miami. His dad was yeah. the mayor there. He's from this state. Um, it, it's a program that means a lot to him, and I think it was the whole dream job thing. And when your dream job comes open, there's zero guarantee that it would come open again or he would be in position for it again. Um, and two, I mean, he obviously coached all those guys who were there. He recruited almost all of them except for the, you know part of that, that last you know, the 19 class. So – it made all the sense in the world um, to, to try and, and get it done, even if it was unfortunate for Temple. But Temple, let's, let's not cry for the Owls. I think they got $4 million to have a coach for 18 days. So, um, again, yeah. it's an unfortunate position for them to be in, but uh, they get something out of the deal at least. Good return on investment. And I Look, Rick did not have a good recruiting class, at least the first part of the signing days, right? I mean, they, they got work to do. Do you think Diaz will – being his Miami connections will help keep the players there in that area? Yeah, I mean, part of the reason the recruiting class wasn't very good is because Diaz left. Like, I think there were something like three high-profile decommits, bang, 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 right after he took the Temple job. So that tells you a little bit about what people thought of him. I mean, again, he's a not only is he a Miami guy, but he's got all the ties throughout the state. Very good recruiter. Um, so I think he's going to – I don't know if it's going to show up here in the rest of the 19 class just because, you know, what is it, three-fourths, 80%, somewhere of it is done across the country. Most of your big-name guys are gone. But he's going to have a chance, I think, really in 2020 to, you know, get the Canes back recruiting at where they were just two years ago in the 18 class and, and where Miami should be. So I, I think it's, I think he's going to be a very good hire. I think it's going to work out. Another program in the state of Florida, uh, the University of Central Florida. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I went out west uh, to the Fiesta Bowl. And they played uh, LSU, which, you know, put their 25-game winning streak on the line. This was their chance to declare yet another national championship. It didn't work out, so I suppose the Tigers could claim it if they wanted to. What sure, did you not? make of this game? Now, I mean, listen, they, they, uh, let's – first of all, I see if you agree with me on this statement. 
I know that UCF was missing their starting quarterback, and that's not an insignificant thing, right? I mean, that, that kid was everything, uh, Mackenzie Milton, everything to that program. Uh, that's not to say that Daryl Mack is a bad player, because he's not, but he hasn't made a lot of starts. That said, LSU was playing their JV. They had 12 yeah. guys uh, by the end of that game, I think, that were either out, ejected, or just not around. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to personally hear about well, we didn't have our quarterback because either team could could have claimed that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're if you're going down, McKenzie Milton would have been the most valuable player on that field because of what he meant to sure. the Knights. But sure. the, when you look at the depth that LSU lost, I mean, heck, Greedy Williams is going to be a you know maybe a top fifteen pick at cornerback, mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. like you said, I think I think they were down to like six healthy defensive linemen to start the game, six healthy available defensive linemen. So both teams were missing an awful lot. It's, it's, it's unfortunate on both sides. And you know, I was talking with my wife about this the other day. When I do my final AP rankings here in the next couple of days, I'm going to have to figure out how I view teams where really good players sat out for the draft because it's, you know, West Virginia lost to Syracuse. I don't know if they would have lost if they hadn't had Will Greer, but they didn't. It, it just feels different than like a suspension or an injury sort of thing. So that's kind of a, a weird tangent there. But um, to me, my, my thoughts, you know, it, LSU had a pretty darn good season. Um, UCF, this wasn't as good a UCF team as it was last year. And I think that showed uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, again, they had a great season, though, like, I, I might have made a, a joke or two accidentally about their national championship runs and, and, and all that. But all you know, 100 percent serious. To win 25 games in a row is insane. An, a, a incredible. Yeah, it's a it's a great achievement for anybody, let alone a mm-hmm. team that had been 0 and 12 oh, and just oh, two 12. years before. Yeah. So it they deserve a ton of credit for what they did. Heupel, um coached him up better than I thought he would in his first year as a head coach. It was, it was a, a you know seriously, it was a remarkable job, and, and there's no reason for them to hang their hats there. No, I I agree with everything you said. Um, it is probably going to go, um, you know, underrated as far as what they were able to accomplish in any division, in any level, to win 25 straight. And, uh, you know, look, the other thing is, imagine what that senior class went through. I mean, they didn't win a game when yeah. they came to UCF. I mean, it's it's quite a turnaround. In fact, I don't think you'd have a bigger turnaround than that. Now, the big talk after that game, as you know, Matt, is, okay, so UCF got their shot at an SEC school, and they lost. So now yep. can we stop the talk? Does this help or hurt the talk about the need for an expanded college football playoff system? I don't know that it – I mean, I guess in, in the short term it, it hurts the talk because you say, oh, well, look, you know, LSU had, what, the number 11 offense in the SEC and they put up 550 yards or whatever it was on UCF. Oh, clearly they can't hang with the big boys. But I think that's stupid. Um, they hung with a big boy in Auburn and not only hung with him, beat them last year in the peach bowl so to me it's not an issue of you know whether ucf could win a national championship whether they had the you know in an 18 playoff whether they could beat an lsu or an auburn and then beat a clemson and then beat a Bama. it was never whether they could to me it's an issue of whether they should have the ability to and you know i've said it a zillion times i want them to have the ability to um because it's kind of silly that we, we start the season in college football and you know, right off the bat, you take away half the team because they're in, you know, either they don't have the schedule or they're playing in the, the you know, the 
kind of group of five schools that again don't have the schedules to to hang with you know to, to really have a chance and i think that's silly um you know another kind of playoff expansion talk uh, is whether the the bad semifinals you know uh, OU getting you know, I guess it, they weren't creamed by Bama, but it wasn't competitive for most of the game. And then Clemson destroying Notre Dame, whether that hurts right. the idea of an expansion because, oh, we had semifinals and they both sucked. I think that's silly, yeah. too. Um, it, how many, really, how many in, in the NCAA tournament in basketball, how many great first-round games are there? There's some, don't don't get me wrong, but a lot of them aren't. Everyone's looking for that, the time when the 16 can finally beat a 1 and that sort of thing. That's just kind of the, the way it works. Um, but you get some not so good in there too, and it just happened that this year there were two great teams, or certainly one great, and one very good. I don't. We'll see on Monday where Clemson is in that, um, and it just it was really top heavy with those two teams this year, and that's why we are where we are. Yeah, I'm with you. I I actually think it adds more fuel to you need more power five schools in an expanded playoff, and I, and I look at Ohio State, and I know that during the season, you know, they had a bad loss and then, you know, close calls to Maryland and, and Urban Meyer holding his head or whatever. Yep. Um, but if you, you can't look at that program and not say, look, as a program, like they got a program, like that's on the par to me with Clemson and with Alabama. There's not many that are, but those two seem to be. And then I guess the reverse might be true um, because if you had expanded to playoffs, you might have had Georgia in there. And yet, you know, for whatever reason, they went out and got absolutely curb stomped by Texas. I still think those teams, though, Matt, have different motivations <clears throat> when they get to the 21 sure. days of practice as to whether or not they're going all in or not. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, um, you know, again, DeAndre Baker, George, you know, Georgia's All-America caliber quarterback, who you're going to be writing about next year in the league somewhere. I mean, he decided to skip it. So it absolutely... Is, is a thing you have to take that stuff into consideration and motivation silly but it is part of it and you know i, I just think the, the there's the better potential for some more really good matchups um if you expand the playoff i mean again look at who won the title last year it was bama who was a number four seed and, and the old system with only two teams bama wouldn't have had a chance so we don't know what would happen if there was an 18 playoff maybe right. again maybe this year ohio state would you know, it would have been six or whatever. Maybe they would have gotten hot at the right time. And maybe they started to figure themselves out against Michigan. So maybe they could have made a run. So, you know, I think eight or at least, you know, I've kind of come around. I don't mind the idea of a six-team playoff at this point either. But I think expanding it, at least giving the UCFs of the world a chance, it would be best for everybody. Because then, you know, that's a, it would truly be inclusive. Everybody has a chance at this. That's right. That's what we need. We need chances. Uh, before we move on to the national championship game and preview that, I did want to ask you, uh, going back to Notre Dame, of course they had a terrific season, uh, undefeated season, and then they get throttled um, pretty good there uh, in the in the semifinal. Brian Kelly, there's a report out of Chicago, and a friend of mine, David Haw, who's a columnist, just to give you guys background, a columnist for the Chicago Tribune, um, also is a radio show host, and on his radio show he wrote uh, and posted on their website that the uh, – you know, the Notre Dame coach, Brian Kelly, is at least a coach of interest of the Bucks, And uh, the search firm uh, perhaps had reached out to him at some level. I have done some background checks uh, with the folks who make decisions on uh, coaching hires and others. Uh, and it doesn't seem to be that there is any interest right now. Now, you know, search firms um, enter, you know, a murky picture that the Bucks haven't had to deal with in the past. So maybe there somewhere there's some truth. But let me just ask you about Kelly in and of himself and the job he's done at Notre Dame and just what 
what you think uh, his potential would be as an NFL coach. I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be back like as in this in this championship picture uh, or how soon. But but is does it seem as if you know is, is there a, is there a feeling that Kelly will take a shot at the NFL or that maybe he's done as much as he can there at Notre Dame? I like the coach of interest thing, by the way, and, and the background you had there, um, the background is, is why you're a writer of interest to me. I just want to make, make that clear here. Rick. Thank you. I wish I wish I was a writer of interest in other markets would be would be interesting as well. Maybe I should get a search firm, perhaps. Yeah, or, or get your agent talking to people, and uh, that's what I need—an you know, agent. Start getting you up in first class when you make those flights to to Phoenix or whatever. Um, Ooh, good thing to ask. Yeah, really. Um, so my my thoughts on Brian Kelly and Notre Dame. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kick, at least kicks the tires more on the NFL, and there's a couple of reasons why. He, he's been at Notre Dame for nine years. Notre Dame is such a fishbowl with such a unique booster culture. And the academics and everything are, are very high there. It's it, nine years there is like it's like dog years. That's like sixty three <laughs> years of coaching at Illinois or something like that with Lovey. So that's a really long time to be there. And again, if you're at Notre Dame, you've been to you know one of the elite programs in the history of college football. There's a what there's like three jobs in the country that are not major steps down from that. Um, and by the way, those jobs aren't open. And who knows when they will be open. So, right. again, if if you've been there in a really long place, you, you've maybe you've I guess I'll say this, too. Maybe he's gotten Notre Dame about as good as they're going to get. Like, they, they're, you know, obviously, you know, he's had two seasons where they finished undefeated during their regular season. And that's really hard to do. And he deserves credit for that. But to win a national title in this era, you have to beat Clemson and then you have to beat a Bama. So you have to win two two teams against or two games against really really tough teams, and I don't know that Notre Dame can do that. You know the the way their standards are academically, it's such a high you know, such a high level that limits the type of player that you can recruit. Um, those those glory days of Newt Rockney and Joe Montana and all that stuff is a, I mean that's ancient history to a 16 year old today. So I don't know how much that means. I don't know if you can get the horses to win a college football playoff, which, of course, is what everybody at Notre Dame wants and expects. So if I'm him, I've been there that long. I've you know, made a good amount of money, had a good amount of success, but not enough. I would absolutely be looking around. And again, if, if the Bama job's not coming open, and it's not right now, and a couple of those top-tier jobs aren't open, there's only he can either go down to somewhere else, which I don't know why you would, or you look to the NFL. So I think it makes a lot of sense for him to look to the league. And in terms of the league, why they might want to look at him, um, again, he's won at a very high level. He's got two D2 national championships. Um, you know, looked this up earlier. He's got four double-digit win seasons at Notre Dame, which had four from 1992 to 2009. So Jeez. he's one higher than his predecessors or recent predecessors have in Notre Dame. And we've talked about this. It's not a great coaching market out there in the NFL right now. Um, so no. somebody's going to have to either do something different, or maybe reach for something, or really try and scrounge, you know, look under the couch cushions for somebody who might do a great job. And maybe that guy's Brian Kelly. Interesting. I mean, I I've heard that name. Of course, he interviewed in 2012, I think, um, with one of the teams that I it escapes me now, but um, I know that was the case. So yeah, Brian Kelly uh, could be somebody that uh, that teams are looking at, and certainly 
Certainly the search firm is doing their homework at, at the very least, but there's some uh, some different reports there that we have um, in Chicago and around the, the Midwest. Let's talk about this national championship game on uh, coming up on Monday, Matt. Um, look, this is no secret that these two teams were probably going to play. It is the, the uh, fourth, no longer a trilogy. What do you call it when there's four of them? I don't even know what you'd call it, but... <laughs> Um, but it, but the, uh, I, I don't know. Is, is but it quadrally? Quadrally? Quadri- maybe, perhaps. But sure, but these yeah. games, these games have been terrific um, on their own, and I'm expecting another really good game here. I would think Alabama has the edge. I think they're a better overall football team. I think they're more multi-dimensional, uh, just in terms of their defense and, and and the ability to run the ball or throw it. Um, but I'll tell you what, Clemson's quarterback is making a believer out of me every time I watch him. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't know what's going on with, with the Bucks and their quarterback stuff uh, other than James <laughs> is going to be around. But um, you can say tank for Tua in, uh, <laughs> I guess that'd be the 2020 draft. Or, yeah, then 2021. Um, or, yeah, lose, lose for Lawrence in, in the year afterward. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Th- those, again, it's silly to be thinking that far down the line, but... I think those are two number one overall picks. And uh, I if so I were too. a betting man, I wouldn't mind putting money on that. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, you're absolutely right. I think Bama has the edge. They're, they're a deeper team. Clemson has recruited at a high level, but nobody's touched Bama in terms of the depth that they have. You know, last year, I think Bama only had like the number six recruiting class in the country or something. Um, so they're just top to bottom loaded. If there were an injury, you know, Tua got banged up. They go went back in with Jalen Hurts, who only took them to a national title game a couple of years ago. Right. Our receivers are, are really, really good. Some of the best of the Saban era. Um, again, the defense isn't great, but when I was watching the, the Orange Bowl the other night, 92 Quinnen Williams, my goodness, Whoa. he was getting yeah. penetration on just so explosive every single play. So yeah. to me, I, I think Bama's got the advantage in, in talent. And obviously we know what Nick Saban has done as a head coach, but I think this is going to be a competitive game. Um, the, the first Bama Clemson game was good. The second one was great. The third one was not very good at all. But I think we're we're due for a, another really good uh, uh, game between the two best programs in the country right now. You know what's hard to imagine is okay. So Nick Saban, what, what would this be if he wins the national championship? His fifth or sixth? What would it be? This would be his sixth in eleven years. Sixth national title in eleven years. And how about this? Dabo Sweeney's one, or well, well, somewhere in there. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The number six is the one that I'm really after. Um, he has, so, he has six. So this would be seven. This would be seven. Okay, so he has overall. six national titles. This would be his seventh overall, and yet he's 67 years old. You know, Dabo Sweeney's about 40 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> it feels that I way, mean, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like, but no, Dabo, Dabo is a younger man. I mean, considerably younger. If Dabo coaches until he's 67 or 70. Think about what he might do. And, oh, by the way, I got a feeling he might end up being Alabama's coach when, when Saban leaves. That's just my personal opinion. But Dabo Sweeney has quickly made himself – let's say he wins this one. No question that he's he's at least living in the same neighborhood as Nick Saban at that point. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's only a handful of coaches in the country with active coaches with national championships, and, and Dabo is one of them. Um you know, every I think your coaching list of the best coaches in the game right now. It's it, number one is is, is obviously Saban. And then with Urban Meyer gone, 
or you know out the door now sure Dabo's sure. number two after that there's yeah. a discussion but right now the, yeah. the debate is, is pretty clear <clears throat> and i guess the other thing right. that really jumps out to me about Dabo, it's so so hard to sustain that level of success um i mean even look at you know heck in our own state right um look at what happened with urban meyer at florida sure he won really you know he ran did absolutely obviously phenomenal season and then it started to 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 it started to go downhill and it really went downhill after he left um even look at at jimbo i mean what do you have yeah. uh, five or six um you know uh double digit wins and um new year's six Two. slash bcs bowl games and then it started to go downhill a little bit uh it's just so hard to build a culture and build a program that can sustain you know, a year where your quarterback gets hurt, your quarterback transfers, or suddenly you have mm-hmm. a bunch of injuries at linebacker, or whatever it is, just the stuff that happens over the course of the season. Sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you're not. So for Dabo to build it to where it is right now, where it's clear, you know, again, it's he's not Bama, but the gap is not very big. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable the, 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 the way that, that he's done that. And again, I go back to when he got the job, you know, he was the interim coach and did well enough where they decided to keep him. And I don't think it was a popular decision. And nope. here he is now the clear number two coach in college football with a chance at winning another national title. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but you think, and I don't disagree. I mean, you think that, that for all the discussion about other teams that, you know, and, and this is not, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think, I think people have a perception that this is bad for college football. I don't necessarily agree that it is. I think you're on my my side too. Like I want to see the best two teams play. Yeah, I I, I want to as well. Um, I and, and it's clear these are the the, the two best. Um, although I was talking with my wife during our road trip, she's like, "Bama Clemson again? Isn't isn't, <laughs> isn't the Bachelor on that night too?" Like. Uh, she, <laughs> I, I know which uh, what the big TV in our house is going to watch. I can't control yeah. whether she's going to be uh, there next to me or not, or whether we right. DVR your favorite show, The Bachelor. Um, it is my but, favorite. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, we all need a little bit of trashiness in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's I, I want to see the two best teams. And it, it would be nice for the sport if there was some more parity, no question. Um, mm-hmm. You know? gets the Oklahoma's and Notre Dame's and Georgia's and, and those guys and give them more chances. Um, but the sport, you know, the sport is about the big names. And right now, Bama and Clemson are the two biggest names that there are. Again, we've talked about just briefly here, the high level quarterback. There's so many really, really good athletes and really, really good players that are going to be on the field, high level assistants on both sides. So to me, I mean, yeah, it'd be kind of cool if it was somebody different. It'd be, it'd be really fun if it, you know, a UCF or a Houston or somebody it was like a Cinderella thing. But when the the game kicks off Monday night, I, I don't really care that it's going to be Bama and Clemson again. I just hope it's going to be a really good football game between two talented teams and two great coaching staff. And that's what I think we're going to get. Yeah, I would agree. Well, Matt, we appreciate uh, all the work. We'll talk about the national championship game and how it turns out, hopefully, uh, coming up in the uh, new year. And uh, thanks for all your hard work during the college football season. You can read them on uh, TampaBay.com. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, really looking forward to this national championship game. I think Alabama is going to win, but uh, Clemson might have might have an upset in, in the making. But, boy, it's going to be tough to beat that Alabama team. They're really, really good. The Lightning are back in action tonight in L.A. against the Kings. So we'll Can they be, go undefeated uh, for the month of January? 
Well, it's a new month, so why not? I mean, how long can you go? How many games has it been now? They've gotten a point. Uh, is it sixteen uh, straight? I believe we had sixteen. What's the? I wonder what the. Uh, do you know what the team record is? Is it? I think they've said. I think that's that is the record. I believe this is the record. Okay. Or no, may, yeah, it might was, be. No, it's eighteen games. I think it's hard to imagine they've done this uh, twice or or even more. But I, uh, I think back in the the Stanley Cup year or the year before, I think they went fourteen zero and four one year. Wow, that's incredible. We'll see if they're going to lose at all in this month. Maybe they'll lose first, you know, just get it over with, you know, and then they can move on. But um, and Nikita Kucherov, by the way, he was named the number one star in the NHL for December. So congratulations to him who had just an unbelievable um, December, as did the whole team. And you, when, you, when your big players play big, as they say, Stamkos was right there with him. I'm sure he got some consideration too. But uh, really cool to see those two guys hot. I stand corrected. It's 15 straight games they've got a point in right now. So they're going for 16 straight. tonight. Okay. So they'll go for number 16 tonight in L.A. against the Kings. And, then of course, uh, you can always check on TampaBay.com. We'll have all your Bucks coaching news. We'll continue that throughout the week on Sports Day, Tampa Bay as well. And remember, if you're tired of paying those high electric bills, you can save 90 to 95% now. I'm not making this up. It's true. Call our folks at May Electric Solar. They're going to hook you up. Uh, they have the, uh, the, the best 25-year warranty you'll find on all their equipment and labor. And so you can call them at uh, 727-819-2862. That's 727-819-2862. And you can save uh, also a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. And, if you know, it's a new year. So if you have a new business or even an old business and you'd like to advertise on this podcast, lots of people are doing it. We've got lots of feedback and the business is, is growing uh, for you if you do that. So you can uh, contact us here on Twitter at SportsDayTV, or you can email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. So I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Burstink. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.